0: Right, you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, um, and that's page 944 if you're using the Pew Bible. We're in this um, series right now about Let the Church Be the Church. And there's certain aspects of what the early church did, certain um, clear cut practices that were the core of what the early church did, and they record recorded for us in Psalm, or sorry, in Acts 2, verse 42. So I'm actually going to back it up and start at verse 42 and go to verse 47. There's four key things, and I'm adding two others to the series, but anyway, there's four key things to run. Uh, we're going to talk about fellowship today and why that's so important. Here's what uh, Dr. Luke wrote in Acts 2, starting at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's a great passage. So we're going to talk today about fellowship. What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. I often tell couples that who are getting married. I said, um, I met with a couple this week. I said, like, why do you want to get married? (laughs) They looked at me like, didn't didn't you kind of, don't you sort of encourage this type of thing? But I was trying to be a little bit facetious with them. And usually I tell couples, you know that when you're single, everything you have, that's yours. Once you get married, what's yours is now hers, and what's hers is now his. And so, um, you know, sometimes couples, that's a real revelation there. And might even go into the marriage still holding on to some areas that their own, but that's not really what the biblical model teaches us about marriage. And really, that's also not what the biblical model teaches us about believers in Christ. We, what I have belongs to you. What you have belongs to me. We share together uh, in the things of the Lord. Um, When I was at the University of Windsor back in the uh, mid-1980s there, uh, I, I got saved my last year of high school. Then I went to University of Windsor and I started attending a church uh, the closest Bible-believing church that was walking distance from my house, it was, uh, it was uh, Oakwood uh, Bible Chapel, and um, I, there was some great teaching there, I really learned the Word of God uh, in those early years of my faith there, and there was a young guy that I met, uh, I recognized, I went to church one Sunday, and it turned out he was in one of my chemistry classes, as a matter of fact, he was in a couple of my classes in my lab, and so one day we were in the lab, and we were waiting for an experiment to do its thing, and he says, hey, um, what are you doing after church on Sunday? I said, I said, well, I don't know, going home, I go, yes, and he says, oh, listen, you should come to, uh, there's some, some, an older couple in the church, and they have all these students from the university that come to their house every single Sunday for a meal, he says, you should come, you I said, well, no, I don't, I mean, met these people, I can't just show up to their house, he says, oh, actually, you can. And uh, so I saw him on Sunday and he'd already spoken to this couple these, and they came over and we said, well, look, we want you to come and, and uh, we got a big meal prepared and there's lots of food and please come. So I ended up going to this, this couple, Vic and Marion Salmons, was their name. They're both gone to beat the Lord down and their house was full of people, mostly university students in mean, the University of Windsor. And most of those students were international students, students that come from overseas, uh, you know, Southeast Asia, mostly in that. And so every Sunday they had this huge meal, and they just said, you know, and they were all believers. Um, or not all of them went to Oakwood Bible Chapel, but uh, but they were. Some of them were in Bible studies at the University of Windsor. And it was just a wonderful time. I went, ended up going to to their house a few different times. Ruth's family always had this tradition too in their house growing up. They when her dad, especially when her dad was pastoring in Amherstburg, which was half an hour away, but even before that. They always put a roast in and did it, and then they would invite people—someone from the church, maybe someone that, that was forgotten, someone in need, whatever—and say, "Hey, listen, we want you to come to our house and, and have a meal with us." And of course, um, that didn't hurt when I started dating Ruth. That that didn't hurt, you know, my chances of, of sticking it out uh, when I found out there was this great free meal after church every Sunday. But anyway, it was it was just a great thing. And my my in-laws—they just opened their home, you know, this like anyone and everyone was welcome there. It's like just. You scoot your bum over, make another seat. We got someone here to, you know, put another plate down, put some cutlery down, and it was no big deal. This whole idea—it was just a natural thing for my in-laws to have people in their home all the time. You know, Vic and Mary and Sam—it was just, just an absolutely natural thing. Did they even have children of their own, Ruth, Vic and Mary? I don't know that they had children of their own, but they, but, but they had students every week. And by the way, no offering was taken. I, never, I, I, I think I may even said, can I give you some?" Nope, nope, we just, this is our ministry, we love doing this. I mean, they put a lot of money for that. Here's the problem. You and I look at some ministries like that and think, wow, isn't that incredible? People in the early church would say, wow, isn't that normal? <laughs> because it was. That was actually a very typical part of, of the early church for believers to gather together and share with one another their means, their blessings, you know, the things that they had in common. We're going to look at another passage here shortly, but there's a common thread running through these verses. Did you pick up on it when I read this scripture? Look at verse 43. Um, sorry, verse 44. 2 verse 44. Now, all who believe were together, they were together and had all things in common together, in common. Those are words to describe the relationship of the believers in the early church. It wasn't, I'm doing my own thing over here, you're doing your own thing over here. I remember when I first came to Wallisburg, I was part of the ministerial, and he, Reverend Hugh Appel was the chairman at that time, and he said, look, I want you to start coming to the minister. I said, I'm only going to be here four months, and it's, he goes, well, just come for four months then. So, um, so I started coming. I noticed we only had like five or six people come to the ministerial meeting, and we would announce so-and-so had a special meeting or something going on. Oh, that's good, and then that was all that was ever mentioned about There was no such thing as doing anything together, any services, and um, it has only grown over the years. You, uh, you think of how now we have these community meals, and our churches are promoting each other's community meals. That's just one example. This is how it should be. Um, I was part of a, uh, when I was in Petrolia, I was doing youth ministry there. I was part of something called the Sarnia Youth Network, S-Y-N as a sin, what a terrible acronym. But anyway, uh, but the Sarnia Youth Network, it was not just Sarnia, it was Sarnia churches, but it was also churches in the outer areas, including Petrolia. And so we did, we would meet for a monthly meeting, uh, like a little restaurant for breakfast in Sarnia. We'd, We'd plan our events those were some great events. One of the things I really liked about those events was I could never, ever pull off any of these events if it was up to me to do it in my own church. I had a little group of, of young people. We met for a Bible study once a week, which was really great, but you know, we would do big events with the Sarnia Youth Network. We'd have like a sports night. Actually, Mike went to a few of those. He played hockey. Amy, Amy Prince did too. You know, so we had little sports tournaments. We had speakers. We had, we used to do a thing on New Year's Eve. It was an all-nighter on New Year's Eve. We'd start at Temple Baptist Church in Sarnia. We'd have a speaker, and we had some worship music. We'd have pizza and that, and then we'd start, we'd go to the, across the river to, um, what's, uh, to Port Huron. There was a roller rink there. We'd do roller skating. We'd come back. We'd do bowling in the middle of the night. we uh, uh, went to Moortown Arena and did skating and stuff and then we'd we'd end with breakfast at the two McDonald's in Sarnia and it lasted all night. They were just tremendous events could never have pulled that off with just our own little group. We needed the other believers and we reached a lot more kids doing it that way. You know, this this passage continues it said they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all among all as anyone had need. More on that in a few minutes. Um, they, were, they continued daily with one accord in the temple. They were in agreement. They went together. They met in the temple, the place of worship. Remember, these are Jewish believers. The day of Pentecost has come. Peter preached that great message on the day of Pentecost. People received Christ as their Savior and were baptized. There was 3,000 that first, that first service. But these are Jewish people. So they continued on every Sabbath, that Saturday, to worship at the temple, and they kept meeting there, and of course, the relationship with God and with one another was much richer now, they had Christ in their life, but then they were also meeting on the first day of the week, that Sunday, when you and I meet, uh, and they were meeting house to house, it was a house church movement there, so they met in the temple for worship on Saturday, a corporate thing, but they they met in house meetings, because you can't put 3,000 people in one house, so they were all over, dotted all over Jerusalem there, they had house meetings, uh, where they had these gatherings. And that's where verse 42 was being lived out, where they were hearing the apostles' teaching. So they were sharing from house to house. They were in fellowship. They were, they were breaking bread, meaning they were celebrating the Lord's table and also eating a meal. And then they were observing the prayer. By the way, the word prayer is in plural. More on that when we do the sermon on prayers. But let's talk a bit, bit about this, this idea of them continuing in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. The word ate, their food, there, implies a bigger meal, okay? Um, Have you ever been to somebody's house that knows how to cook? (laughs) And so, and let's just say you knew ahead of time you were in for a good meal. Um, if you knew ahead of time you're in for a good meal, you were smart and didn't eat lunch and maybe had a half a granola bar for breakfast or whatever. Um, I remember one time, uh, Tom and Joanne McMillan invited Ruth and I and our family to their place, their apartment. Uh, it was, she said, oh, this is a pastor appreciation thing, but she did it in November, and she knew that Tori loved Christmas, so she, it was like the first week of November, but she had her entire apartment decked out and decorated for Christmas. And we were unprepared for the fellowship and for the hospitality that Joanne and Tom were going to show us because my, they came out and she immediately brought out uh, like this taco dip thing uh, for hors d'oeuvres, and my two boys like flew on that, you know. And, uh, but the rest of us did too. Um, And so, and then she she brought us the table and then there was a salad course and then there was a, there was a spaghetti and meatball course, which I didn't know was a course. I thought that was it. And I mean, honestly, I was stuffed to the gills after the spaghetti and meatballs. And then she said, okay, who's ready for the, I can't remember what, it was like an Italian dinner. There's another course. There's a couple more courses. We actually had to take a break. In the middle of the meal, I wish we'd had this on film. We're all sitting in chairs in her living room. Oh. <laughs> we were so full. This lady knew how to do hospitality. She just told me on my visit there, um on friday she said that she was busy baking all, or cooking the day before she said she made 29 individual lasagnas to put in the freezer at her church it goes to people who are in need who've had a surgery come out you know not up to cooking they come and deliver these meals this is a hospitality minister but she and another lady the only two women in the church are doing it that's not right this should be something that's more complex i don't mean to say that we all got to be cooking some of us should not be cooking <laughs> including the person talking to you uh, unless you just want toast with nothing on it but like some of us that's not our gift but there should be this as- aspect of hospitality and fellowship the word fellowship has been a word that's been kicked around and thrown under the bus in north america here's what it, it means to north americans we're gonna have fellowship after the service i hope someone doesn't get the duchy before i get there and we're not talking about the tongue donuts and coffee we're talking about the fellowship and the sharing we should be getting a conversation hey is your doctor's appointment this week yeah let, let's pray about that right now that's fellowship not the jelly donut and the coffee. You know, this, this idea that they had fellowship, the word fellowship actually means sharing. In fact, if you, used, if you took the Greek word for fellowship, it's, it's, in English, it's used different ways throughout the New Testament. Sometimes it's the word fellowship. Sometimes it's the word sharing. Sometimes it's the word participation. Paul said that the Philippian church participated in his ministry, meant that they gave him to him financially, it's the verb form of that word fellowship, he talked about sharing, that's also the participle form of that word fellowship, I know what some of you are thinking, look I'm glad it worked in the New Testament time, you know in the first century, that would not fly today, and here's why it wouldn't fly, because there'll be people that will take advantage of other people, and their benevolence, and they're going to say, you know something, why would I bother going to work uh, and trying to make a living or do, help myself or, or bothering to get out of bed in the morning if Joanne McMillan could just have me over to her apartment and serve me an eight-course Italian meal? I mean, I'd, I'd be stupid to go and do this other thing. So I'll just let her, you know, do the grunt work and carry the load. And see, this is, again, a problem where the North American church not just North American, but it's, it's pretty rampant in North America, where we've gotten it. So now, because we've been burned before by people who abused it, and by the way, in case you think I'm being harsh, I better give you a verse here. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10 and 11. For even when we were with you, Paul says, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who are, walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. No, those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. He said, we have, we have a motto around here. You don't work, you don't eat. Now, he's not talking about people who can't work. He's talking about people who can work but won't work. And so, this great model of fellowship in the New Testament, the early church was practicing, where they went from house to house and had meals together, and everyone had shared, and and they had all things in common and worked together. The whole thing collapses like a house of cards when, if you have people that are lazy and are filching and sponging off other believers because they know a good thing when they see it and they don't want to have to do the work to get there. He's saying, if you can't work, don't worry, we'll help you. That's what the church is there for. We're going to lift you up when you've fallen down. That's why in Joanne's church, when people have had surgery, they come home and say that they're alone even. They don't have a family necessarily. How are they going to cook a meal? I mean, you can only go and on craft dinner so many nights in a row before it gets sickening. It's nice that someone says, you know something? I can help you out here. I'm going to deliver some meals to your house. You know, it's not just meals, it's other things. Sometimes it's like, um, you know, your neighbor's been gone for a while and it's July, and, and, or let's say, say May, where there's more rain, and his lawn's starting to look like it's eight feet long and there's more fauna than there is flora. Maybe it would be nice for you to get your lawnmower out and cut your neighbor. Don't have to ask him, don't sound a trumpet before you. Just go, you know, I'm responsible for look after my neighbor's lawn while he's in the hospital. For that matter, if he doesn't have a lawnmower and wants to borrow mine, hey, listen, my lawnmower's your lawnmower. Like, I know you're saying, you might be thinking this is in a perfect world. Yes, it is, but maybe we need to take some risks and we need to start practicing this in the church. We've pulled back. We've even, as a church, we've relied way too much on social services to do some of the things the church has been doing. Part of it is our fractured Babylonian society has contributed to that, but that doesn't leave the church off the hook. You know, if there's needs that we can meet with people, we should be seeking to meet those needs. And you say, well, I'm going to help this person, but, you know... They could probably get a government check for this. You know something? They probably could, but you know something? It's a better testimony if you do it. give you an example. Acts chapter 4. Just a few, a couple chapters ahead there. Starting at verse 32. Subtitle of the New King James Bible says, Sharing in all things. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. See, there's that theme again. This together, one accord, one heart, one soul, one mind. Paul told the Philippians that they should be in one heart and agreeing together and consider others better than themselves. Anyway, Luke goes on here. He says, These these believers were one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Let me give you a little historical tidbit about what was going on in the early church. This is before overt persecution was happening. Remember, Stephen was stoned and there was a persecution. And a bunch of the believers were scattered out of town there, out of Jerusalem because of the, the uprising. But before the sort of overt persecution that came on Christians, there was still some subtle um, stringency going on and some subtle um, biases against the new believers. And it was, it was hurting the cause of some people. And so other believers came to the aid of those who were, uh, fell in the catchment of this. And so, there was two primary areas where believers shared. One was their real estate, and one was their goods, their possessions. We're going to see that here. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. What's the the atmosphere that people are hearing about the great grace of God and the power of God? I'll tell you what the atmosphere is. Believers getting along together and sharing with one another, not hoarding. And if I have to go without in order for you to get something, I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to to reach out to you. Really, really important. Jesus prayed that in the garden there, in the high priestly prayer. It's recorded for us in John chapter 17, where he said, Father, I pray that they be one, even as you and I are one, that the world may know that you sent me. Jesus basically said, the world's going to know that I'm the Savior them when christians get along and walk in unity and part of what getting along and walking unity is me sharing my stuff with you when you need it and you sharing your stuff with me when i need it look at verse 34 nor was there anyone among them who lacked either luke is exaggerating ridiculously here or he's just stating how the early church was wonderfully operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed each as anyone had need. By the way, I'm not, I'm not, pre, I'm not Bernie Sanders' right-hand man trying to get him votes here. I don't agree with what Sanders is saying. I don't think his philosophy is right That whole idea of the socialism where you just take what someone has worked hard for and give it to someone who hasn't. Remember 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. If you don't work you don't eat. There's a a sense here. This isn't just a free ride for people who are loafers. He's saying there's a need for believers to care for one another. So even someone who's in Let's just say that they're in a financial need and they need help. They might be saying, you know, I just, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, can I do something for you? It might be an in-kind thing. You know what Brad Tapp gets people to do when they get out of jail and they don't have any money and they can't pay first and last month's rent? And he takes them into his house and they said, look, I don't have a dime to give you, Brad. He says, here's the lawnmower pull cord twice, go up and down, cut grass, you know. So they cut his grass, they've done some wallpapering for him, they've done some painting for him, stuff like that. Some of these guys have burned him, but that's the risk he takes. But it's, it's like, so sometimes it's an in-kind thing. Sometimes you, you might say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an invalid or whatever, I can't, I, I'm physically in but I'll tell you what, give me everything you need prayer for for your family, and you can count on me. I will pray for them night and day. You see, it's not that we I have to give the same thing, otherwise we're we're disqualified. It's like, well, I can't help that. I need your help in this area of my life, but I can help you in that area of your life. I don't mean to embarrass her, but when my kids were younger, Peggy Main babysat my girls. for. I mean, I wouldn't have had a date night the first 10 years of my marriage if it wasn't for for that in some ways. Like, you know, it's like, uh, I didn't say, Peggy, listen, uh, Ruth and I are going to the nicest restaurant in town. I need you to slip me an eighty and look after the kids, no, Uh, she said, tell you what I can do, I'll save you some money on babysitter, just go, don't worry about coming back at any time, just whenever you're done, come home, and we'd come home to our, a lot of times she babysat him at our house because it was over bedtime, sometimes we'd drop him off at our house, we'd come home, and kitchen's completely spotless, I thought Molly Maid had been there, you know, you see, this is just Christianity in action, People had property and homes and sold them and took the proceeds and gave it to the apostles and said, here, you know better than I do the needs in our greater Christian community. If there's someone else that needs something there, here's money to buy that stuff. Go to Costco and buy whole shelves of stuff and distribute it to the people in need. I'll do my part by selling this. I had this extra field. I had this extra home. I'm living well. I'm not suffering. But I see that some of my brothers and Christians... Brothers and sisters of Christ, I have a need. I want to help them. I know it's radical. Maybe we need to get radical a little bit. Verse 38, Joseph, also called Barnabas, by the apostles, which means son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I don't read about him suffering too much after he did that. I see that God used him mightily uh, throughout the New Testament time as a great apostle reaching people for the Lord. But the man was of of means. He had significant means and he used some of that to bless others in the body of Christ. Back to our Acts 2 there. They were daily with one accord in the temple, that was a meeting spot I don't know that this was the birthplace of the first church potluck because I think most of the eating was being done in people's homes. But they were meeting in the temple area which is Solomon's Colonnade. It was the outer part of the temple. You could go there every day of the week if you want to. And so they were going there and worshiping and just enjoying the Lord. And then they were also sharing meals one another in it, from house to house. And it, like I said, that word ate their food actually implies a significant meal. It was not a cheese and crackers, here's your hat, what's your hurry? It was, hey, stay a while. You know, when Jesus said in Revelation 3 verse 15, 3 verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and answer the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. He's talking about an intimate relationship with the church. It's an unhurried thing. It's, it's let's spend time together. I'll talk to you, you talk to me, I'll find out more about your life, what's going on, what issues you've got, I'll pray for you, we're, gonna just, we're not in a hurry here. And so these, these meals from house to house, that was kind of what it was. Food was plentiful, conversation was wonderful, no one was in a hurry. If you had a concern, don't worry, it was addressed before the end of the night. That was the, that was the habitual life of the early church believer. We're missing it today. And I know we can't just superimpose our culture on that one. Things have changed. You know, we're, we're the tyranny of the urgent. We got, we got punch clocks. We got deadlines. We got secular employers that, that need stuff done. This type of you can't just sort of, you know, compare them exactly. However, there, there needs to be, I think, a ramping up of this whole idea of the church and what our role is to one another. And then... Once we're doing a good job of that with one another, it overflows its banks to other people. See, it says, after they're doing this, verse 47, they're praising God and having favor with all the people. People not yet in the fold of Christ who are noticing what Christians are doing. Do you know that's why so many believers are getting saved in places like India, China, South America, unbelievers in those villages see how believers act and it's 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 a no-brainer for them to want to investigate the christian faith you know like organizations like gospel for asia will drill a jesus well in a little community in india and christians who are shunned by their hindu neighbors and not allowed to drink from the town well because you you you're christians they want nothing to do with you and then their well dries up and then gospel for Asian missionary comes in with money from westerners like ourselves and a, a dwell and then those believers go and then they invite those villagers who once shunned them to come and take of this fresh clean water which they no longer have access to because they're crappy well dried up and they're sharing their water you know that's going to have an effect on unbelievers this is where a lot of Indian Hindus are coming to know Christ as Savior they were praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We're not tapping into our potential, as I see it. I think we could be doing so much more as a church if we were less selfish with the things that we have and more generous to those in need. We're going, Ruth and I are going to a little birthday, 80th birthday party after church today it's maria fucco some of you know don fucco was used to be manager at cfc anyway maria she's a member at knox and so she doesn't want any gifts or anything and but on the invitation it said but if you insist on bringing something maria would like you to bring donations to the knox yeah they have a, a pantry every thursday where they give out food just people come they just give out and other stuff too so if you want to bring a donation for that see that's that's the christian life in practice that's where the rubber meets the road this is me putting my faith into action. This was a hallmark of the early church. No one had anything in common. No one considered what his his stuff was just his stuff and get your hand off that. It wasn't like that. It was if you need it, take it. If you need to borrow it, borrow it you know, and I, if I you got something like I need, I'm welcome to do the same. There was no such thing as this Hoarding mentality, and no, and we've gotten guarded because of abuses. And I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm very careful. Of this too, because I have people that come all regularly to my door looking for stuff, and some people are just son of a gun. They're good at lying. That's all I can put it. But other times, it's like, you know something. I, if he's conned me, he did a fan, he did a, gave me an Academy Award performance. I'm gonna and I'll just leave that with God. Sometimes that's not just how I have to do it. So we want to help people, but you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather have blown it on some guy that gave me a sob story on an Academy Award performance and I gave him something that he, and he, he jerked me out of some of my money or my grocery cards or whatever. Uh, I'd rather do that than have someone, and, and I, I don't know, I'm not sure it's worth it. Uh, didn't you just come to me before? I, no. And you find out, He had to tell his kids that there was no grocery snake to eat dinner. I'd much rather err on the side that I blew it than on the side that I was stingy. After all, it's not really my money. It's not your money either. All that we have has been given to us by God. We are simply a steward. We are given responsibility over it to see how it's properly distributed. Maybe we need to be doing some praying and saying, Lord, I can't be sitting on what I got. I, I, God is there... What do you want me doing with this? Because God spoke to my heart last year, beginning of last year, about our, our use of money and, and some things. So we did some things last year. And so, I, and, I mean, God hasn't sort of let up on the accelerator. You know, he's like, um, that's good. Keep going. You know, not just money either. It's like how we use our time. I'll share one more quick story. I recently... Um, Put, God put on my heart, my, my cross-country running coach from high school. I was trying to find out where he was at, and, and I'm part of a, a Facebook group from my high school. It's an alumni group. And I said, has anyone heard of, you know, and I said this gentleman, and some people immediately got on there, oh, didn't you hear about the news story that came out? A CTV News, someone gave me a link of it. CBC News, or CTV News in Windsor. He's battling dementia. His wife's got him at home, but he's getting worse, and it's been progressing quickly. And I, I thought, wow. This man was a vibrant, healthy man. He, he got me into running and everything else. He was also my French teacher. I just said, and I, I it bothered me all the evening last night after I got, I went to bed. I, was, I dreamed about it. I woke up this morning. It was on my mind. I thought, I, was, I, gotta, I gotta get in touch with this guy. I gotta go see him. I gotta talk to him somehow about the Lord. I don't know what his stance with God, I, you know, and, you know, this whole idea of, I want to say, oh, listen, I'm busy, he's in Windsor, by the time I track him down, well then, a girl that I went to school with, or I worked with actually, her dad was also a teacher at Massey where I went, and she, here's my dad's phone number, he sees this man all the time, call him, he'll help you. I'm thinking of something, I have to take time for that. I can't say, look, I'm busy, i got other things to do, i got bigger fish to fry. No, God's put this on my heart. Now in this case, it's not a mem- that he's a member of the church that way, but, but as Christians, we have to care for one another. And we can't keep using the lame excuse, I'm too busy, or it's not my responsibility, someone else should help them. Yes, there are times where you just say, you know, something, I, I want to, I just can't, you know, someone came to me for some service I couldn't help them with, I said, oh, but I'll tell you, I'll help you with get, find someone who can help you. I felt that I owed them that, you know, so whatever it is, pray, let's pray, let's, we're going to pray right now, but God, is there, is there some ways that I can improve in this area of fellowship, this area of sharing, opening my home or cooking a meal or visiting somebody who's lonely or whatever. What is it? Father, we just come before you and we see the early church in action here. And it, boy, it seems radical to us compared to what the church is like in Canada and the United States. It's, boy, it seems awfully radical. But, and yet it wasn't. It was exactly what you prayed for, Jesus. And this is what they carried out and this is how the church grew. Lord, I feel like we could stand to improve in some of these areas that there's there's definitely things that we're not doing that we could be doing and maybe there's some stuff we're doing that we should stop doing to make room for some of the stuff we should be doing so lord i pray that you speak to our hearts challenge us encourage us move us to some holy action here of where we can be better at this whole sharing and fellowship thing that you desire for us in the church we pray in jesus name amen